0: Entering the 2023 NFL season, where are the Dolphins better on the defensive side of the ball as compared to the previous season? That's our subject today on Locked on Dolphins. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Another episode of Locked on Dolphins. It's your team every day here on the Locked on Network. I'm Kyle Krabs, host of Locked on Dolphins, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, co-host of Locked on NFL Scouting with Joe Marino. And today on the show, we are exploring the defensive side of the ball, where it's better than last year definitively. There's some scheme, there's some talent, there's a blend of both. This is not quite as ambiguous as Friday's episode in which we explored the offensive side of the ball and where Miami is definitively better. I want to thank you guys for making Locked on Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Shout out to our everydayers who are locked in here on Locked on Dolphins as we continue to press forward towards training camp. We have scheduled release this week. Lots of content coming off of that. I would expect uh, a, a way-too-early deep dive on what the Dolphins' draw is on Friday's episode of Locked on Dolphins. And uh, we'll have a wish list of things that I'm hoping for for the Dolphins uh, this week as well. But today, we are committed to where the Dolphins' defense is better than last year. We did the offense on Friday. It was weird to have a couple days to reset and recharge after the sprint to the 2023 NFL Draft and the aftermath of the 2023 NFL Draft, but the batteries are recharged, and we are ready to go here today on Locked on Dolphins. So I actually have in front of me a little bit of a statistical breakdown on Vic Fangio. And specifically pertaining to Vic Fangio, what I was interested in finding out was in the previous season... Before he arrived as a defensive coordinator, what teams performed as defensively in a few key statistics, and then to compare and contrast that to where they ranked in his first season with the team. So the Dolphins last year conceded 399 points. That was 24th in the NFL in points allowed per game. From a yardage perspective, defensively, they were 18th, middle of the pack, but they did not turn the ball over. So, what you end up having is a team that's middle of the pack in yards, bend don't break, you have bad field position, you play the field position game, you end up giving up 399 points. That figure for Miami, for the record, uh, is the one, two, three, four, five, sixth most in franchise history. And you acknowledge with that that there are 17 games and that's a new development. But it was 393 (laughs) before the 17th game, which which would have tied them for sixth anyway. So from a points-allowed perspective for a proud franchise that has always played good defense, last year's performance was not to the standard of the Dolphins. So we have talked at length about Vic Fangio and two high defensive shells and quarters and cover six and zone match and presenting the same picture before the snap and then rotating after the snap and not giving pre-snap tells and the challenges that that presents and the new approach to playing defense. I won't exhaust that conversation. Again, we did the deep dive on Vic Fangio. I'm talking to a couple people about coming on the show Uh, that are even more scripted in Vic Fangio and his defenses than me to further illustrate uh, just how much of a schematic defensive improvement it is for Vic Fangio versus Josh Boyer as a defensive coordinator, but we've already acknowledged the ideological differences. But just the breakdown of points and yards, the two most basic fundamental Measures of defensive success. I have the year prior and then his first year as the defensive coordinator in stops in Carolina, Indianapolis, San Francisco, Chicago, and Denver. Going back to 1995. So, 1999 with the Colts. The Colts allowed 25.4 points per game prior to Vic Fangio showing up. In 99, it was 20.8. So, four and a half points. Better points scored per game. You say, oh, well, that's before the turn of the millennium, Kyle. Uh, Not really relevant. Okay, let's go to the the 49ers. 2011. The team allowed 21.6 points per game prior to his first season. And then it allowed 14.3, more than a touchdown difference in his first season as the defensive coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers. Chicago in 2015 allowed 27.6 points per game prior to Fangio walking in the door. And his first season there, they conceded 20 points per game on the nose, an improvement of 7.5 points per game. Denver Broncos, 2018, conceded 21.8 points per game. And Vic Fangio's first season, they conceded 19.8 points per game. You are talking somewhere on the range of a field goal to a touchdown conceded less per game, with Vic Fangio across all of those stops. That is too many to be coincidental. And then you pair in the fact that this scheme is different, but more importantly, the talent has improved on the defensive side of the ball. You're better at linebacker, which we're going to talk about later. You're better in the defensive backfield, which we're going to talk about later. These are big improvements for this to be the sixth bullet point that really drives home that level of improvement from a performance perspective from the most basic of fundamentals of team defense, which is how many points you give up per game. How about yards? Uh, The Colts, 99. Prior to him was 352.9. His first season was 313.7, so that's almost 40 yards per game less. Uh, The 49ers broke even, 308 versus 308, but they got... Touchdown better in team defense. Uh, with the Bears in 2015, the year prior, they were 375 yards per game. Vic, first season, 345 yards per game. That's an improvement of 30 yards per game. And then the Broncos in 2019, uh, 365 yards per game prior to his first season with the team. And then allowed 337 point yards per game in his first season with the Broncos. So almost 30 yards per Better, So you're talking 30 to 40 yards better and a field goal to a touchdown less scoring. The history speaks for itself. If you want to measure the single greatest improvement of the Dolphins roster from last year to this year, it is the fact that this team has Vic Fangio as the defensive coordinator. The results and the history speak for themselves. Speaking of speaking for yourself, Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, and they speak for themselves for just how delicious they are. It is the life hack that you didn't know you needed. These things are high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. They have 100% chocolate on all of their bars. They are absolutely, positively delicious. You can go to built.com. Get yourself a box, get a variety box. You can go to Walmart, go to the pharmacy section, get yourself a four-bar box. You can go to Sam's Club, get the 13-bar box, have yourself a bar on the way home and still have a dozen waiting for you when you get in the front door. So visit built.com, go to Walmart, go to Sam's Club, get yourself a box of Built, and thank us after you do. Linebacker is an area for the Dolphins that has a lot of returning players. I think you could probably start there. Jerome Baker, Duke Riley, Channing Tindall back from last year's group. If you want to put Andrew Van Ginkle in there, you can, and obviously, you know Andrew Van Ginkel sounds like he's going to be an important piece of the puzzle, uh, based off of the sales pitch that he got from the Dolphins to come back on the one-year deal as a hybrid edge type. But Fangio's defense, you know, they they like to run these cop concepts, is what they're called. You know, you think about Cover One, robber, right? Cops and robbers. Robbers, when somebody is rolling down into the middle of the field to try and take away something in the middle of the field short. Well, your cop concept is when you're dropping a defensive lineman. Oftentimes, it's an interior defensive lineman, but Van Ginkel from his alignments, and he's walked up into interior gaps in the past. He's rushed off the edge in the past. If you're trying to take away hot throws or checkdowns, and you're aligned as so though you're going to rush, and you're going to catch somebody off guard by dropping them out, that's a very natural assimilation for Andrew Van Ginkle into this defense. So um, put him into the mix. Okay, all those guys are back. We have to assume Channing Tindall will be better. We can't measure how much. I generally think he's an afterthought in the linebacker group anyway because of how many defensive backs the Dolphins are going to keep on the field at all times. David Long Jr. Even if he plays 12 games, you say, oh, well, he misses five games. Okay, 12 games of David Long versus the alternative – in years past, which was Elan and Roberts mixing in with whoever else, is a monumental upgrade for the Dolphins' ability to defend the middle of the field. It's a monumental upgrade. You went from a replacement-level player as a starting inside linebacker in the NFL with a very uh, skill-specific set of skills to David Long, who can rush, who can drop, who can tackle, who can slash, who can flow, This is a much, much, much more dynamic player in the middle of the field. And I would rather have 12 games of David Long and acknowledge that he may miss three, four, five games because of all the other impact players that the Dolphins have on the Dolphins' defense than play with a full season of somebody who cannot defend the pass in any capacity. Because all you are doing is leaving yourself susceptible and you're either going to continue to be exploited in that area, down after down after down after down, and the ways that you protect yourself there are going to leave you vulnerable elsewhere in the back seven. So for me, the addition of David Long, from a personnel standpoint, is not the most important personnel addition to the team, because I think that's that's Jalen Ramsey, with Jalen Ramsey's track record, that speaks for itself and the versatility that he has. But it should not be slept upon as a massive chess piece that the Dolphins have not had. They have not had it. They haven't had for a long time. David Long's the most complete off-ball linebacker the Dolphins have had since Carlos Dansby. It's been about 10 years since the Dolphins have had a linebacker with this kind of skill set. And let's hope Jerome Baker can get on leash, too. Obviously, he spoke with the media last week, and and he had a pretty eye-opening quote talking about the freedom... uh, uh, of this defense to allow guys to to go make plays as compared to being so handcuffed and bound by the restrictions of the scheme and some pretty interesting thoughts that that can probably be drawn out there when you think about this Jimmy's and Joe's versus x's and O's debate that constantly is is feeding into the NFL, right? The Dolphins, when they first started the rebuild in 2019, they wanted to be an X's and O's team. They wanted to be a team that played disciplined, hard nosed football. They want to keep games close. They don't want to really outscore you by, you know, and turn things into a track meet. And they would prefer to be in a position to win a game late in a closely contested game and trust that their coaching, their discipline, and their ability to draw up the right play in a critical situation is going to win you the football game. And generally speaking, it worked, right? The Dolphins have had three consecutive winning seasons. The previous two prior to 2022 were with Brian Flores, and that was the menu. That was the approach. We used to get frustrated. Man, they take their foot off the gas. They get up on top of these teams, and they suffocate them, and that was way closer than it had to be, and so on and so forth. It's like, yeah, I get it. But the DNA, like, if that's your ideology, hey, if it's going to work, go do it. But there's a glass ceiling on that because at the end of the day, you're eventually going to run into a team that just has players you can't defend because they are so talented. So that's the Jimmys and Joes greater sign, X's and O's. And if you have too many of the Jimmys and Joes, if you have too many super talented players, you can't just scheme your way around them, right? If a team has one X-factor difference maker player and you can put extra attention on that player... Whether it's a pass rusher or a pass catcher or, or a running back or whatever else, uh, if nobody else can win the one on ones, you can coach around the elite skill set. But this Dolphins defense, you know, Sans Brian Flores and with Josh Boyer, you kind of felt some of the charm of we're just going to call the right play, wear it off. Uh, Because suddenly we weren't just calling the right play in the critical situations anymore. Now magically it's third and long and you're sweating bullets as a Dolphins fan. Because you know it's third and 13 and we're going to play picket fence at 12 yards and somebody's going to get a check down underneath at 7 yards and break one tackle and he's going to get a key first down at the end of a half to set you up for a touchdown instead of a field goal. Or you're going to run cover zero on third and eighteen. And blitz Josh Allen, and you're not going to get home, and you're going to leave Xavier Howard on an island in one-on-one coverage 50 yards downfield against Stephon Diggs. And those stories don't end well. And guess what? You lost those football games, and those key, those key third and longs were backbreakers. You say, oh, well, we'll, we'll pressure him, we'll box him in, and we'll, we'll get him. Oh, well, we'll picket fence it, and we'll catch him before they get there and force him to burn the last time out and have to kick the field goal. If you don't have the charm to consistently call the right play. Now, I think that's something that Vic Fangio has in his favor. He's going to blitz when he wants to blitz, but he doesn't want to have to live off the blitz. That was from the introductory press conference. But the difference is Vic is the, is the architect of his defense. Josh Boyer assumed the role of the play caller that somebody else was the architect of. The architect was Bill Belichick. And, of course, Flores assumed play calling duties or we think that he did and actually did a pretty good job of it. But now you're three degrees of separation away from the architect of the defense and the charm is no longer there. So it was interesting. to hear Jerome Baker kind of go in depth at length to talk about this is not a defense that binds us by so many rules and it allows us to have uh, ambiguity and flexibility to change things in a game situation based off of our instincts and our feel to go make plays as long as everybody's on the same page. And the history, as we went over, would suggest that that's going to happen because it's happened everywhere Vic has went. There will be a dramatic improvement. And we could certainly hope that's the case for the Dolphins as well because if that's the case and the Dolphins with getting more peripheral pieces that can win on one-on-one, still having some elite talent on the offensive side of the ball as well, now I think you can change the complexion of the way that you play football games versus what it was last year versus what it was with Brian Flores. So I think linebackers, uh, David Long, freeing up Jerome Baker to not have to be this do-all uh cog in the wheel as compared to having some playmaker tendencies or potential to have playmaker. I think he's athletic enough. He's physical enough. He's long enough. He's rangey enough. Was it the chicken or was it the egg? Was it Jerome or was it the defense? We're going to find out this year. I think at, at minimum, he's an adequate level starter in NFL defense as a stack off ball linebacker. But if he's going to get a new contract with the Dolphins, because I can't imagine they'll let him play next year on the current cap situation that it is, he needs to become an impact player. And then you're potentially facing a contract extension, which would for the next two years in 2024 and 2025 reduce his salary cap hit. But that's a conversation for another day. We're going to talk about the defensive backfield and all the things that we think that we think and why it's better than last year. And that's what we're going to finish with today On this episode of Locked on Dolphins. So. Defensively in the backfield. All I'm going to do. Is I'm going to pull up the R-Lads depth chart. From December 1st, 2022. And I'm just going to read the names. And read the names. Xavier Howard. Keon Crossan. Cater Kohu, Noah Igbenogany, Justin Bethel. Those are the corners on the 53-man roster. Howard, Crossan, Kohu, Igbenogany, Bethel. Two of those five corners, Crossan and Bethel, have been exclusively special teams players prior to coming to the Dolphins. Now, credit to them and... Their respective situations. They stepped up and made some plays, cross and played through a shoulder injury throughout a majority of the year, had offseason surgery on it. Respect playing through injury, getting elevated opportunities, making the most of it. I respect it. But those are players that should ideally not be CB4 and CB5 and dressing on game day to be primary defensive backs taking snaps on your defense. Those are players who should be playing all your special teams, coverages, and service depth. Noeg Benogany, that's a whole different story, which leaves you with two corners on the roster, Xavier Howard and Cater Kohu, who you feel good about being defensive snap takers, and one of them was a UDFA rookie last year. And he balled out, and he's very quickly stripped to that UDFA uh, stigma. But nevertheless, a skeleton crew. You had a skeleton crew of corners. And its safety, you yeah, had Javon Holland, Eric Rowe, Elijah Campbell, Clayton Fejdalim, and Verone McKinley. Those were the five safeties on the 53-man roster. Rowe, wishing him the absolute best in his new stop. I believe he's in Carolina. He signed in. Uh, McKinley, Campbell, Holland back. And all the things that we talked about, about unleashing playmakers with this defense and Jerome Baker, like, same goes for Javon Holland. You got to see Javon Holland a little bit flash some playmaking ability because of the opportunities that he had when he got low to the line of scrimmage, like jumping the Kenny Pickett pass on, Monday night, on Sunday Night Football to secure help secure a win in the final five minutes of that football game. Like the uh, QB spy tackle on Josh Allen when the Bills were backed up into their own 10-yard line on a third and long, third and seven, and Josh Allen takes off like he's going to run for it. And Javon Holland, after leaving the game earlier with an injury, I believe it was a stinger, comes back in and chops him down. I talked to Joe Marino after the, after the game. He's like, dude, I've never seen a defensive back take Josh Allen down like that. Like These rare plays that you just didn't give him enough opportunities to play because he had to play as a key cog in the wheel of the X's and O's style of calling defense. Now... We have Jalen Ramsey, not here last year. Xavier Howard. Cater Kohu, we'll put him third. Cam Smith. We're getting Nick Needham back from injury at some point. You still have Justin Bethel and Keon Crossen. They are where they belong now suddenly when, when you're putting them CB5 and CB6 on the depth chart. Nogbenogany for now. <laughs> we'll see how that story ends dramatically better, healthier, much more proportionate defensive backfield for a successful NFL defense. And then the safety rooms is you're getting Brandon Jones back from injury. to looked like he was participating in the um, OTAs this past week, which is promising, looks good. He looks good. Javon Holland, of course, back. You signed to Sean Elliott. And then those two other holdovers in Elijah Campbell and Roe McKinley. Just do the math, right? Like, the numbers are here. And I, I cannot remember the last time the Dolphins experienced the kind of attrition with injuries specifically to one position group, the cornerback room, like they did last year. Just wave after wave after wave. You were down the CB6 as a starter by, like, week four. Law of averages would indicate that you're going to deal with injuries in the game of football, but you're not going to get blasted like that. Everybody asked, I remember everybody asked, and you try not to to feed into the panic. Everybody asked, hey, what happens if, there's an, uh, if Byron Jones doesn't come back or there's an injury to X? Well, we found out, right? But you try not to feed too much into it because you're like, of all the things that could possibly go wrong, that's Murphy's Law at the ultimate peak. Anything and everything that can go wrong will go wrong. Well, at the corner room, it did for the Dolphins last year. And Dolphins fans are preconditioned to expect if something can go wrong and ruin your season, it will. It's happened often for the Dolphins in the past. But I think the process of this Dolphins team and their build and what they have become is a little different than historically what the Dolphins have been. So I'm optimistic. Uh, I see plenty of pathways, tangible Examples of this defense being better than it was last year, which I'm very excited for to see how that manifests on the field. And I hope you manifest coming back for more Locked on Dolphins this week. Hit subscribe. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Shout out to our everydayers. I am Kyle Krabs. We are out of here. Make it a great rest your Monday. I'll talk to you all again soon. Peace.